Hey guys, before we start today's episode, I would love to introduce you to our wonderful sponsors, Devane and Associates Concierge Company. So if you live in the city of Boston or Massachusetts and you need an apartment caretaker that will handle your packages, guide your front entrance, dinner reservation, cab reservation, bar appointments, event scheduling, make sure you give them a visit at devaneandassociates.com because they got you. They are the best in the business. When I mean the best, they are the best. And make sure you tell Galen I sent you. Hey, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the I'm Not Lucky, I Am Blessed podcast, episode number 14. So, guys, what's happening here is we're back to the normal routine where I bring in and, you know, um, someone that has motivated me, someone who's, you know, a mentor of mine, a friend of mine, or anything that is starting up something or that has a product or service to render and we come and, and just talk about how they started and you know just to get you or whoever that is listening motivated to start on your own craft too and today i have a very good friend of mine he's my boss at work uh we actually we, we we've known for less than a year but trust me i brought him to this podcast because i feel i know he has a lot to offer and and, and i want you guys to listen and you know learn something from it okay so uh, make some noise for josh myers thanks lucky appreciate it thanks for um, having me on my pleasure man how's it been awesome happy sunday hey. we're here <laughs> so quickly how this came about was i i, I work for josh and honestly with the way you handle things the level of knowledge you have fitness wise life wise i just kind of like got attracted to you thanks man and i was like if i enjoy you because we always say we love you when you talk right mm -hmm. i was like if i enjoy you talking like you know <laughs> if i just love listening to you how much more the people out there you get right so yeah. i was like let me quickly steal this guy and put it on my podcast okay. and you know share it with the world thanks man yeah you're welcome so um real quick can you give us a background of like how you started and you know let the people know you sure so currently i'm a fitness manager for boston sports club but i got started with fitness way back at the beginning of college uh, ended up on the powerlifting team at penn state where i went to college oh. i had never really been into fitness never played any sports hadn't really gotten started in anything in the industry but got interested in strength when I did go to Penn State. I met this kid on the powerlifting team who kind of convinced me that I should try it out. Yeah. And then, you know, from then on out, it was just go, 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 go with go, go, yeah. getting into it. Yeah. So with my time at Penn State, I got on the powerlifting team, started becoming a student coach on the team. Yeah. And, and that's what really started to drive me into wanting to get myself into this industry i started out college actually as an engineer yeah i did electrical engineering but really wasn't focusing so much on my studies just wasn't passionate about it right. was super passionate about the powerlifting team and that's how things kind of evolved so i kind of came to a fork in the road in my life where i no longer wanted to be an engineering student yeah wanted to get myself into kinesiology which is the study of human oh, movement human and, um, you know, from there on out, I basically started to take what I was doing with the powerlifting team, yeah. translated into my studies, and eventually became a student coach, um, an intern for Penn State Strength and Conditioning. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was there for about nine months where I ended up finishing my degree and you had to do an internship and I chose to do my internship with Penn State Strength and Conditioning. So I got to work with all the different strength and conditioning teams, different um, sports, although I'm not into sports, never played any, that's kind of the path that I took. So, you know, I got assigned to the swimming team, I had men and women's soccer, I worked with the basketball team, I worked with lacrosse, field hockey, I pretty much work with every single team except for football. I got to train them once or twice, but I wasn't directly assigned to them. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. It was it was pretty cool. It was a good experience. I learned how to work with large groups of teams. Huge. You know, at some points we had 70 people in the weight room, and I had to kind of help organize and lead them through a lift. Wow. Mm-hmm. 70 people? Yeah, 70. <laughs> it started at 5.30 in the morning. You know, the end of my college career wasn't really – all the partying and having fun. It was it was getting up at four, four in the morning. And going to <laughs> yep. deal with seven, 70 people and yep, yep. Wow. doing that whole thing. So that's kind of what kick-started it. I got to compete nationally a couple times while I was uh, on Penn State's powerlifting team for oh. the USAPL. Wow. Yep, got to do that whole thing. And then, you know, it was coming time to graduate from college I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. I never ever wanted to be like a personal trainer or anything kind of like in that world. I had it in my mind that it was a little bit more prestigious, I guess you would say, to end up working with athletes, teams, that whole thing. And then I started to find out a little bit more about how that world actually operates. And it's really put in your time it's dedicate yourself to sacrificing yeah. a lot for no pay at all. Wow. You know, I ended up having a friend that continued along that path for time, and he did five years without getting paid anything. Well, five years without getting paid anything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he was like interning all over the place, got yeah. graduate assistant positions, and it's really a, a network where you get like, you have to put in your time to finally get some sort of position. So I was graduating, and I was thinking about going the collegiate strength and conditioning route. I was thinking about going to Texas, actually, going to grad school, getting into that whole thing, continuing to intern. But somebody that I was dating at the time actually had a family friend who started his own strength and conditioning company. So I was really interested in the idea of, like, you know, maybe I could move up to New England end up working for this small company and the whole business model there was let's go into these high profile private schools and work with athletes who are come from very affluent families who are going to really nice schools and trying to get themselves into really nice colleges using sports so i moved up to new england ended up working with a bunch of different athletes at the high school level and that kind of evolved over time to I became the head strength coach at a private all-boys school and started doing that whole thing, uh, ran a summer camp, um, and, and that's really what kick-started the whole career, I guess you would say. You have a lot in your belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you see people and just, you know, summarize them. And to be honest with you, if you, if you hadn't said all this, I, 
I just thought you started at BSC, you know, just from your Instagram. I, I, I knew like what I saw on your Instagram, it mm-hmm. was like you wanted to compete and then you started training for it. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were one of those people that, okay, I can train myself now. I want to go into fitness and train others. That's what I thought. It's yeah, it's weird because I, I never really had a passion for fitness. Like I was mentioning initially, yeah. I kind of just stumbled upon it and then got obsessed with it. And, um, just because of where I was at in my life, yeah. I, I made it a part of everything and, um, kind of fell into it by accident. Wow. Uh, I ended up getting out of strength and conditioning for yeah. athletes because I was starting to find that there was such a disconnect between what I was doing and what those athletes were motivated by. What I mean is they were so interested in the sport, right? Like they didn't necessarily love the strength and conditioning part. Mm. They loved the sport and the strength and conditioning was the side effect. Like I have to do this, but I really love the sport. I was like, I really love the strength and conditioning. I don't really care about about the the sport. sport. Yeah. So, you know, there started to be this disconnect with the athletes that I was training I was being asked to go to the games for the students and yeah sure like I cared about the students yeah I care about their success but I didn't care a lot about the sport itself and so I wasn't wanting to go to these games well didn't find myself that motivated by it and um, ultimately I, I ended up moving closer to Boston and kind of as like a last-ditch effort type thing I was like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna get a job at a Boston sports club. I'm just gonna be a trainer. trainer yeah. I just want to rake in some money for a little bit because I wasn't in the best financial situation. Yeah. And trying to do all the strength and conditioning stuff. It was a small operation, and um, yeah, kind of a last ditch type thing. I jumped into BSC and ended up killing it. Yeah. Great job! Great job, man. That was. <laughs> That was a good story. It was inspiring. Thanks, man. It was cool because I went from, you know, kind of being down and out in terms of my financial status. And honestly, everything that I was doing, it wasn't aligning with where I wanted to be. Move to Boston, get this job. And all of a sudden, I'm getting all this praise. Yeah. Everyone's telling me I'm so good at this stuff. Everyone is really building me up and energizing me. Yeah. And, and I took it to a point where, you know, in the first six months, I built myself up to doing 150 sessions a month of training, made 40 grand in the first six months of working there, Wow. which was a big deal to me because I had to build my business and make the money. And, and for me at that point, that was twice as much money that I had made in the entire whole last year. I made that in the first six months. So, you know, I'm really amped by this. I'm getting a lot of that really awesome feedback and support. It was just a high energy time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was the field that you didn't think you were going to go into? Not really. I mean, I I was kind of just doing it because that's a skill that I knew. I knew that I was good at training people. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that I ultimately had aspirations and dreams to continue that for the rest of my life it was kind of just let me jump into this until the next part of my life this will hold me over for a little while yeah but it turned out to be one of the most valuable things i ever did wow yeah so like in total like how many years of fitness do you have under you i've been training myself seriously for about 10 11 years and then i really started coaching and getting into that whole thing 
probably for the last seven years or so, six or seven years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you probably have, roughly have like seventeen. Well, so what I'm saying total, total ten, oh, it's a, oh. total about ten years, and then the last six or seven has been training Training's other people. people. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I had to lay the foundation for myself <laughs> yeah. first. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Damn, that's that's impressive. Like I say, I I just thought you um one of those that just um okay yeah I'm certified and I love fitness and stuff mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. I decided to go into it but it's just interesting how you started that you you are actually a, a student coach at a very young age mm-hmm. went through all of that where you know I understand the fact that the students were paying attention to the strength part of it because they all they just want to play the sport yeah and I can imagine you being that situation where you were like the probably the second option like you were the you were like that the, the list of their worries <laughs> and and I bet they treated you that way too. Yeah. It, it was like, oh okay, yeah, we have to do this. How did it feel like for you, like going through that process? You know, working with people that where you're not truly welcomed or valued like you really wanna be, you know. How was it like in that moment? No, oh, it was just I cared so much about that stuff and I'm trying to motivate high school guys that care about the same sort of thing and they just wanna bench press heavy weights and grind through heavy stuff and they don't either weren't mature enough yeah. or didn't see the big picture surrounding everything that was important in terms of matching their sport and lifting the weights the right way. Yeah, you know? yeah. I get what you're saying. You might even talk a little bit about uh, strength and conditioning. Sure. Yeah, why is it important for everyone out there? Well, I mean, there's this saying that's cheesy but very true, strength is never a weakness, right? It's yeah. something that's so simple, but so true. If you get yourself strong, whether that's physically, whether that's mentally, yeah. there's nothing that you can't achieve, right? Yeah. The weight room itself teaches you so many lessons about the rest of life that are applicable on so many different levels. You know, it, it maybe they're silly things to say, but going down with a heavy bar on your back and coming back up is a lot like the game of life. For real. A lot of times you feel like the weight is heavy. <laughs> a lot of times you're doubting yourself and you're wondering, can I go can down I to the, the bottom of that squat and, and come back come up back with up. it? Yeah. You know, like you, it, it scares you. You feel the emotions and the pressure, the self doubt. You're thinking, I got to get myself to the bottom of that. And I know I'm going to come back up, but it's going to be a grind. Yeah. It's going to be heavy. It's not going to be fun. And that's life. Yeah. And it builds a lot of mental toughness and the ability to overcome a lot of different things in life. So I think that's what over time I accidentally fell in love with. I fell in love with the process. Yeah. That heavy weight. Yeah. Not the end result. Not the end result. Yeah. Because you never get to the end. There's always more weight to be lifted. There's always a new goal to set for yourself. There's something new to to achieve, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing I was um, saying, the, like, last week. Because I realized that a lot of people were more focused on the goal. And then just being focused on the goal, they forget about the process. Mm-hmm. They forget about enjoying the process. Because the result is not promised. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoy the process, you learn something from it, it's going to help you in the next chapter of your life mm-hmm. but people get so carried away by the goals that they really don't even enjoy the process learn from the process and then at the end realize that the goal what they wanted was not it's like getting up to a mountain then getting up there and then you realize that there's nothing up there you just 
climbed all this way for for nothing and you didn't learn anything on the process mm-hmm. and now you're at the top and there's still nothing or you just wasted your time yeah yeah so yeah that's how that's how i say it but like what is the what do you think is the reason why people don't value strength and conditioning that much i think for somebody to be able to value something they need to understand what it looks like and feels like yeah. and mm, how ultimately when they embody that yeah where it brings them and i think it's just a situation where they haven't been there before so that they don't know what it feels like and what it tastes like and what it smells like to be you know not only strong physically but mentally yeah. i don't know that they don't value it necessarily i think that people like us just have to show them the way first yeah and then when they get a taste of that and they see the different things that their body is capable of they see you know all of the struggles that they have to go through to get themselves there the way that they need to discipline themselves the way that they need to hold themselves to a high standard a high level of accountability yeah. like that transcends to the rest of your life in so many different ways and, and that's the big thing that has always interested me mm. what how you can build yourself mentally, mentally yeah. from the physical pursuit oh that's deep oh, so you that have been in this position you know how it feels like you know how it works like can you give <laughs> Can you give us the, you know, those listening out there that feeling? I mean, even though they can't feel it, but like, how would you describe that feeling to you? What specifically? Um, the the feeling of that that strength, you know, like the actual physical strength. The physical strength. Yeah, let's talk about the physical strength. Well, I'll tell you that it never gets any easier. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> it's just that you end up being able to handle more. Oh yeah. But I mean, six hundred pounds on my back feels the same way that three hundred pounds felt. Five years ago. Five years ago, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just over time your body acclimates to being able to handle more, whether it's heavier things, whether it's more work, a combination of those things. Yeah. Maybe you can get more work done in less amount of time. When I say work, I mean, you know, you're you're lifting a certain amount of weights, a certain amount of volume, the sets and reps, you know? Um, What does it feel like? It's always a good thing. It always feels good to definitely, be strong. Definitely, it feels good you to know? be strong, yeah. I think there's always an element that people latch on to in the gym. Being a strong person and realizing that you're a guiding force for other people. People yeah. look up to you. Yeah. And it's a nice feeling to have those around you latch on to you and seek your guidance. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to know that in the back of your head, you've built yourself to a certain level that you can handle this kind of stuff. Yeah. I would say that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Okay. But for you, do you think it was more mental? Like, cause you lifting six hundred pounds on your back. My best squat is six fifty in competition. Six fifty. Yep. Wow. How long ago was that? Uh, that was. Uh, I did that lift at nationals in Texas, so that would have been 2014. Wow, 2014. Yeah. That was like six years ago. Yeah. Josh! <laughs> you lived in 600 pounds six, six years ago. Yep. Wow. Um, and then you wanted to go into bodybuilding too. I did. I, I tried, did actually, I tried yeah. my hand in that, and <laughs> I ultimately backed out because 
Um, I wasn't mentally prepared. Yeah. It, it ultimately wasn't for me. Yeah. I fell in love with the objectivity of powerlifting because I could measure. Did I put five more pounds on the bar? Did yeah. I put ten more pounds on the bar? Yeah. I could I could measure those things over time. Yeah. But then when it came to bodybuilding, I started playing like head tricks on me, mind games. <laughs> you know, I would look in the mirror one day and one be day like, day. "You look good," and then the next, next day, day, you look like shit. <laughs> you know, so it was tough for me to objectively measure my progress. I started going through mental trials and tribulations, mental battles that ultimately wasn't healthy for me yeah i started getting to bad eating habits yeah you know i was really trying to diet down for that show i got myself to the point where it was about five weeks out and then fell into maybe a common pitfall that some people fall into where one day i snapped i find myself in the kitchen with a pregnant belly One day, ten thousand calories in, dripping sweat, thinking I just messed up everything that I did. I snapped with my eating, was craving all these things, was telling myself do not do this, but physically couldn't stop myself. And then the next day to make up for it, I'm only eating seven hundred calories. Holy shit! And then the next day I find myself binge eating again, and then the next day. You know, this back and forth stuff where I ultimately got into a, a bad cycle and couldn't control the way that I was eating. Yeah. I had to step away from that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. It's tough. I like that. It is tough. And that I, was mentally tougher for me than the powerlifting. Powerlifting, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think the powerlifting was your thing. So you were ready to go any level with it. Like, that was where you had your mental strength. Mm-hmm. The physical was nothing for you. Like, you could lose 500 pounds, but I felt like there you had that mentally locked in. And once you, you know, mentally locked yourself in, in that, you can do anything at that level. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a bodybuilder that, you know, is passionate about getting on stage, you know. Mm-hmm. Mentally, he's locked in there and he's ready to go, you know, weeks out without eating any of this. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and powerlifting, you eat a lot of food. Oh, yeah. So, moving from powerlifting to bodybuilding, <laughs> that, would have, that, that, that must have been a huge sacrifice for you. For sure. Well, it was just... It was the opposite of what I was used to. Yeah. My powerlifting coach used to joke around that he was trying to establish a culture of fat on our team. Yeah. He was basically like, guys, eat, eat everything, anything. anything. Because you need it. <laughs> yeah. You're lifting 600 pounds. Like, you need food in your system for that. Well, and I joined the powerlifting team at 180 pounds. And they said, hey, kid, we got a kid at 180 pounds already. We need you to be 198. So... I was like, okay, I need to gain 18 pounds. At the time, there was something called carb backloading that was becoming popularized by Dave Kiefer. I read the book, and instead of doing it intelligently, I did it the way that I wanted to do it. So I was training four days a week. Yeah. <laughs> and after each gym session, I was walking to Dunkin' Donuts, eating six Boston creams on my walk home from Dunkin' Donuts to my house. I was eating 24 Boston creams a, a week. Wow. Ended up getting myself to 198 pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty of powerlifting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I didn't care about the way you that You didn't care I about the way, the way you look, uh, which, which I definitely don't understand because that's strength. Mm. You care about the strength. And trust me, being able to lift 600 pounds, it's a huge feeling. Yeah. yeah I think I've gotten close to so much. So, like, I know, you know, I'm not a powerlifter. You know, but I've lifted something heavy and, and, and that feeling of just, you know, so, yeah. 
ultimately, like after college, I ended up getting myself to the point that I did care a lot more about the way that I looked. Yeah. And had to knock that crap off. But. So what made you stop caring about the way that you looked? Uh, honestly, probably because it, it, I got to a point in my life where I was single again. <laughs> so to be truthful, yeah, you know, I was like new to New England, new to this whole industry. Just wanted to shape myself up. Wow. Yeah. You you talked about your friend working in um, the strength industry for five years and not getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> That's a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, he thought he was going to be going somewhere, somewhere. but to me, that's kind of just how that world goes, specifically um, collegiate strength and conditioning, because there's a lot of people that want jobs and a finite number of jobs. You know, there. think about how many colleges there are, how many yeah. top strength coaches there are. Yeah. It's very much a good old boys network where you kind of have to know somebody to get your foot in the door. You have to intern, you have to move around, you have to put in your time, it's long days. You really got to love the sport, sport that comes with it, Yeah. you know, and dedicate yourself to either working for free or working for little money for a long time. It's kind of like a hazing process, actually, in yeah. my opinion, from everything that I saw. So it was, he was really just in love with all of it, all wanted, of it yeah. you know, was willing to sacrifice and dedicate his time to getting somewhere. And they just jerked him around for years. He, I think he went from Penn State. I think he went down to Virginia. He was in Tennessee. He was in Ohio. He was all over the place. Wow. You know, just trying to make a name for himself. Yeah. Being promised from different coaches. Like, oh, I'll help you get into this place. Oh, I'll help you get into this place. And things just fizzled out. Ulti I think for a while he ended up stopping all of it and just went and worked at a grocery store. Oh, my God. God, yeah. it's like you in bodybuilding. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you were just like, fuck it, I'm just going to go back to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough, man. Especially when you love the sport mm. and then you, you spend all your life, uh, you know, time in it. And now uh, you get to a stage where you just want to do the least thing just to, you know, get you going and and back get you back on your feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, what do you think? any improvement can be made in a field like that because they're like there's still people out there that are like passionate about this field and yeah and they should be making every box they deserve for for something like that because let's be honest they they put in the hours mm -hmm. that guy you wouldn't tell me that guy didn't put in the hours he was doing that like 5 oh, yeah. a.m to stuff like that so him not getting you know what he deserved or you know what he's earned it makes no sense do you think anything can any different like Something differently can be done that will help people in that field to make more or at least be recognized. Well, part of the problem is I didn't stay in that field long yeah. enough to delve deeply into the possibilities. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I would say one thing for aspiring coaches and people in the strength and conditioning world is just don't neglect the private sector. And what I mean is, you know, he was doing all the collegiate stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think ultimately there's more money to be made in the private, private sector. sector. There yeah. are more opportunities. Mm -mm. If you really want to be in collegiate strength and conditioning, you got to you gotta love the grind. Yeah. And you got to be okay to put in your time. Yeah. And it, I think it's more of a situation of who you know, not what you know. What you know. Yeah, that's true. Because nowadays I, nowadays, I believe, like, you know, people in that same field are making a lot of money now. Because they're doing private 
you know, they, they do them privately and, and, you know, working with this clients one-on-one and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. when you put yourself in that kind of situation where you work with schools and I, I, I don't think, you know, you get the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the top strength and conditioning coaches make a decent amount of money. Yeah. But all the coaches that I was under when I was interning, I don't know for sure, but as I understood it, they were making 40 grand, 45 grand. Yeah. Yeah, at their positions. So. Wow. Mm. It's not like that's bad money, but it's not amazing money. It really comes down to you got to love it. Yeah. You got to love it. And you're traveling with the team all over. You know, if the if they're flying to Michigan for a football game, you're going with them. You know, and let's just say the head coach gets fired. Yeah. You're fired too. <laughs> you need a new job. <laughs> it's um well, I, I, now the world is kind of like realizing the importance of strength and conditioning. Hmm. Like, uh, there's this guy, I one of uh, Michael Jordan's coach, I read this book, uh, I forgot his name. Well, he was saying how when he first started, like, no one no one wanted to listen to him. Okay. They were like, no, nah, we don't need you here, we don't need you here. But, and then he finally reached out to Michael and was like, if you give me a chance, let me work with you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'll come up with routines and stuff like that that will be focused on helping you get better. And after a year or two, like, they saw the improvement in him, and then now they started giving him ear, like ears now, and people started paying attention with him. I mean, before now, people were, they, people thought weightlifting would make them heavy mm. and not be able to, like, for example, basketball jump freely and, and stuff like that. But now it's like, they're like different equipment that if you're a basketball player, this is this is what's specifically good for you. Yeah, that will help your your jumps and all that and all that. So I feel like now the world is not being open to it and accepting it. I guess that guy was in the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. It was in the wrong world. The world where no one paid attention to it. Everyone paid more attention to the game. Mm-hmm. The game, the game, the game. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with um, people that like, you know, physical therapy, you know. Uh, people don't take all the stretching and all that serious to players get injured. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they were like, if from onset they were paying attention to that and working with that like hand in hand, players won't get injured easily like yeah injury like prevention do. is a yeah. huge thing yeah for sure yeah but before now people wouldn't pay attention to it because mm-hmm. like, we, we just stretching we just you know massage and all that you know they just want to go out and play ball game and, and stuff like that right 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 yeah it's kind of similar to what i was talking about with the athletes loving the sport, sport yeah but not wanting to put the time in on the back end for the strength and conditioning because that that feels more like work to them, to them yeah. you know yeah the sport is fun yeah putting in the work to support the sport sometimes is less fun true you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's just the way it goes and then you move to bsc mm-hmm. you said in six months you made 40 grand yeah how is that possible <laughs> like how hungry were you then and then like well, i mean no, no financial like yeah. how how bad did you wanted it yeah that's that's really what it is i got myself to such a situation where there was no choice but to succeed. To succeed, yeah. When I moved to Boston, I didn't even have enough money to pay for my security deposit. I had to get somebody to pay for my first month of rent. So I'm in a financial situation where I'm down and out. There was also a sharp contrast where I was coming from in terms of success. And it was I was met with a lot of positive energy. Yeah. I think that positive energy coupled with my feeling like there was no other choice but to succeed 
drove me to put in the long hours. Mm. You know, I might have been getting paid for four hours a day when I was trying to build my business, but I was there for eight or nine hours. And I was saying, oh, I'm going to work for free. And I was coming from a world where that was more regular. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna bust my ass to get myself up to a certain level of training so I can make a lot of money as quickly as possible. And uh, like I keep saying, just that desire coupled with the positive energy from somebody they everyone was telling me dude you're so awesome you're so good at this stuff so many people like you so many people enjoy working with you you give that energy to people yeah and, and it's given back and and that's really what pushed me to grow very quickly, quickly yeah. you know yeah it's mm-hmm. amazing i got up to a high level of training and then basically was starting to feel like you know I could keep doing this. I could keep breaking in a lot of money, but I don't want to be training people when I'm in my fifties and sixties. Yeah. Like what is my longer plan here? So that's what pushed me into management. I ended up seeking leadership opportunities where I could start to basically explain and transcend some of the knowledge that I had to other trainers to make them good trainers. I wanted to basically teach other people how to be good at personal training, how to be good at working with people, the things that are actually important in personal training versus some of the things that people actually neglect. You know, some of the conversations we've had about the simple things like getting a person to smile, like impacting their day, not taking away from their life, but adding to their life. That's true. You know? That's what was really big for me and ultimately pushed me into leadership and management at BSC. So I ended up stopping purely training and taking on a dual role for a little while where I was getting my foot in the door with managing, still training. training. My training was coming down. The amount of time I was spending managing was going up. And then uh, they offered me a club to take on myself. Oh, wow. And I was kind of disappointed, actually, because I was expecting to stay at the specific gym that I was at. Yeah. And Which they, one? Uh, that was the South End BSC. Oh, oh, okay. That's the one I started out as a trainer. Yeah. And um, started to do some management at. I thought I was a shoe-in to just take over the club and start managing. And they said, oh, actually, we're going to give you the worst club in the company. <laughs> <laughs> Life is funny. <laughs> but... But when I say that, it was a great opportunity, and they were giving me the worst club in the company because they saw something in me that they trusted that I could begin to rectify and build the situation back up. You know, they they just didn't have a leadership presence there. The training in terms of revenue was very low compared to what they need to do for their budget. So they sent me there to kind of fix it up, clean yeah. it up, build yeah. everything, yeah. and uh, that's what I did. Wow, mm-hmm. great job, man. Thanks. So, when you say you, you know, you busted your ass, like, mm-hmm. let's be more specific. Like, what are some of, like, because I want to know. Yeah, like, do you want to know? Are we talking about training, or are we talking about management, or? So we'll go into management later, okay. but now let's talk about training. Okay. And and this is not training your clients, training yourself. Because mm-hmm. before you train clients, you had to train yourself to get to yeah. that level where... So how did you train yourself? Like, what are some of the things that you did? You know, like, in specific, if you can, you know, break mm-hmm. it down for myself and the listeners. Cause okay. Well, I've always been in the gym 
three to six days a week, just mm-hmm. depending on the phase of training that I was going through. Yeah. I've always been huge on the basic lifts, yeah. the big compound movements. Yeah. That's the foundation of my training with powerlifting, and I just extended that to what I was doing with bodybuilding. I extended it to whatever sort of training that I was taking on at the time. Yeah. Squats, bench press, deadlift, overhead press, chin-ups, rows. I got it in my mind. I'm just going to become a total badass at those six things, Ooh, right? Yeah. Because if I'm if I'm great at those six things, I can do pretty much anything, anything in the gym. Yeah, yeah. I would argue that almost any lift is some sort of variation, regression, progression, progression. of those six things. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. So I always made sure, like, I take care of myself first. Yeah. First and foremost, I need to be an example for the people that I'm training. Yeah. I need to know that I'm getting the work done, that I'm working hard, that I have goals in my mind that I'm constantly striving for. Because if I don't, how can I lead other people? Okay. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of what personal training is, is being some sort of energy, being yeah. some sort of motivating force, elevating yourself to the point that other people want to look up to yeah bring themselves up to your level yeah. i always talk about entrainment if you have a room full of grandfather clocks you know maybe you have a hundred in a room they're all beating out of sync after one day after 24 hours they'll end up beating in sync true because the lowest vibrational frequency elevates itself to the highest vibrational frequency mm. you know so um what I'm saying is I wanted to be that high vibrational frequency that the people that I was training, the people that I was around, yeah. the people in my life that were important to me looked up to me, wanted to elevate themselves to, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of where I was at with all that stuff. And, um, you know, ultimately pushed me to want to train myself at a higher and higher level yeah. and get people to follow me. And then it came down to like the specifics of building my business yeah. where I was reaching out to people. I was putting myself in uncomfortable situations because I know that's the only way I could grow. Yeah. I wasn't very comfortable walking up to people and giving them advice, asking them to train with me, figuring out how to work my way into building this stuff up. But um, I basically put myself out there. Yeah. I did what was uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's what I learned from lifting. Everything's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Put, how are you going to adapt? How are you going to get yourself to the next level of anything if you're not uncomfortable? uncomfortable yeah. so, you, know, you know? So I'm taking those lessons that I learned from putting a heavy bar on my back and translating them to business. To, to business, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I always tell people. People think fitness is just physical, but I'm like, yo, if you if you succeed, if you can succeed, like in fitness world, like build yourself, you can succeed almost anywhere. You just mm-hmm. have to apply the same principle: mm-hmm. patience, consistency, discipline, and <laughs> even in your relationship, if you have, if you apply the same principle in that, everything you, you get like definitely will grow. Mm-hmm. And I like how you just say that, like you just move, just like you just move the template from fitness to your life and try to fix everything in and just go with it Mm -hmm. i like that you brought up discipline too because you know everyone especially in the fitness world 
usually works off of motivation. Yeah. Right? They're highly motivated, motivated. to lose yeah. 10 pounds. Yeah. They're highly motivated to get to this level of strength. Yeah. But motivation runs out. I remember when you told me that. Mm-hmm. I used to, I stole that line from you. When people tell me motivation, sorry to cut you short. No, 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 no. It's, it's good. Motivation and willpower are finite. There have been plenty of studies that have been done on motivation and willpower. You know, you've got a glass of water. Yep. Beginning of the day, your glass is full. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the morning, your kids piss you off on the way to school. And you dump out a little bit of the water. And you get to work and... Uh, <laughs> Somebody else, your boss is, this is your, yep, he's annoying. He's giving you a bunch of different things that you need to get done by a certain time. It's overwhelming you. You dump out a little bit more water. Meanwhile, you have these goals of losing this amount of weight or yeah. whatever. You get to the end of the day, there's no more water in the cup. No motivation. And that's when you get into that mode of, you know what, screw it. I'm going to have a piece of pizza. I'm going to have the whole pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I always tell people, Motivation and willpower will absolutely run out. Yeah. What are you going to do when they run out? Well, it's the discipline that you should have built in the meantime yeah. that will end up carrying you through. Yeah. When motivation and willpower run out, discipline carries you through. Yeah, like that's why sometimes I find myself going to the gym looking like a dead man. Like literally, everything is tired. Mm-hmm. But I know that, like the, the body knows where it's supposed to be at this time. Mm-hmm. Like so, even when. Like, I don't feel like going. The motivation is not there. But the body can't stay at home because it's disciplined to mm-hmm. working out at this time. And that's when, like, most of the time I'm walking into the gym and you might think, I don't want to live. Like, I look tired. But once I get in the routine, everything comes back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't get back into that routine and feeling good, good yeah. you still drag yourself through the mud. Yeah. Because that builds character. True. You true, know? True, yeah. Um you and I are human just like everyone else. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I can promise you a lot of the time I don't want to be lifting the heavy weights. I don't want to be eating yeah. the amount of food that I need to eat or the right type of food. But those are the times that you should do it even more. That's true. When you don't want to show up, no, you don't want to show up. That's when you probably should, should even more. Up. Yeah. That's what builds character and discipline. Yeah. Mhm. Oh. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. You just um confirming most of the things that I show yeah. up. Just show up, like guys, you, like show up. No excuses. Like sometimes going to the gym is half the workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and and you might say that someone might be surprised. Like, oh, you go through that too. And I'm like, yeah, we every single one. Yeah, we're human. We're human. Like the same excuses you have, we have those excuses too. But mm-hmm. it just at the end of the day, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. Like, mm-hmm. like I always say, your goals don't care how you feel. The only care, did you put in the work? If you didn't, then no yeah. result for you. I always say that there's nothing special about me when somebody sees maybe the amount of weight that I'm squatting or deadlifting or whatever. I, I tell them there's really nothing special about me. The only thing that's special is that I kept putting one foot in front of the other for 10 years and I'm still nowhere. You know, I appreciate the way that you're looking at me, but I, I look at myself like I'm still nowhere. Yeah. You know, and I keep putting one foot in front of the other. And if you want to be successful at anything, think about business. Yeah. All right. Like you hear a lot of people, magazines, maybe talking about six pack abs in six weeks, <laughs> lose 10 pounds in 12 days, you know, all yeah. these different fad things, crash diets. But really what it's about is consistency over time. Over time yeah. And if you wanted to be rich or you wanted to be amazing at your profession, yeah, you're not going to be like, 
oh man, I'm going to do that in six weeks. You're going to look at your set goals for yourself that are one year, five Five years, years. 10 years, maybe 20 years is the point that you're somewhere in your profession where you can say, I've achieved a high level of success. I'm proud of the things that I've done. Why is it any different with your body? That's true. Well, I, that yeah, that's a good question. Now, now it's making sense to me. People mm-hmm. give themselves that, 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 you know, 10 years, five years, not daily goals that I'll make 1 million in one day. Mm-hmm. No, they always think they know that it would take them five years to be a millionaire, you know, mm-hmm. but like when it comes to the body, they want to do it in two weeks. <laughs> they want to get it in. I, I don't think people realize how long it takes for the body to adapt to things, especially if we're talking about strength. Strength. Yeah. I realize that you can make changes to your body physically from an aesthetic standpoint very quickly yeah but what goes down Down. quick comes back up quick or what goes up quick comes Comes down down quick quick. you know there's a yin yang effect that happens so i am saying you could do a crash diet and get in pretty good shape but don't expect that to stick yeah if we're talking about something specifically like strength that takes a lifetime to build build, it takes a long time 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 that's the most important factor in almost anything that you do Time. time You know about compound interest? Mm-mm. If we're talking about saving money, yeah. the formula for t- compound interest, if you look it up, it has T as an exponent. It's up high. This is the engineering side of me coming back through. Yeah, no, that's and all those classes. So T is an exponent. Time being exponential indicates that the real secret to saving money, the real secret to building wealth is time. It doesn't matter as much what you save per day, per month, mm. what the uh, actual interest rate is. Yeah, the yeah. secret is time. The same thing is true for strength. The same thing is true for your body. It's not necessarily about what you do on each given day. It's yeah. about how it compounds over the long well, course of time. Wow. I read this book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. And... They, they, they went to the guy, the richest guy in Babylon, and they asked him, how did you make all this money? And then he gave them a bunch of stories. Long story short, what he told them was he kept 10% of whatever he made mm-hmm. for himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, how did you keep 10% and make money? He's like, it took me time. Time, like time. Mm-hmm. Just keep, keep, just keep. He didn't do it in two years, he said. Consistency. Consistent, like he was talking about five years, 10 years. And now 10 years later, people see the end result and they think he started that day. But he was like, it took me time to mm-hmm. save money. Mm-hmm. It took me years to save 10% of everything I was making. Oh yeah. And I like how you just say time is everything. Like we sometimes just get too much in a hurry that we want something right now. We want to be millionaires right now. We, we forget about the time that it takes to, you know, get up there. And yeah. when you were saying that, I was like, my mouth was like wide open because now you just kind of like just confirmed what I read mm-hmm. and just put it in front of me like time is time is key yeah we'll take some really successful people like look at Bill Gates or, yeah. or someone like that yeah people don't look at the years that he spent in a room trying to get Microsoft off the ground mm-hmm. grinding through grinding, stuff yeah late late nights working yeah. through the night no they see where he's at that's what it's once it's built yeah you know it, yeah they don't see all the time and effort that was put into it and when we're talking about time it's not just time it's yeah. time coupled with consistency and consistent effort yeah you know I, I don't think that I really took off any sort of significant amount of time with my training 
unless I was sick for a week or whatever. Yeah. It's just that I kept putting one foot in front of the other and challenging Jeez. myself over and over and over. It's probably something that you have to have a few screws loose in your head, actually, to, <laughs> to take yourself through <laughs> that kind of thing. That, yeah. You know, to push yourself through enduring things that are not it's fun. Not, not fun at all, yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, and the thing about discipline is, and you said consistency with time, mm -hmm. because uh, it's like a diet. When you're not consistent with it, you go out of it, and then the next time you come back, you want to take less away from you. Like you said, um, you ate 10,000 calories that night, and then the next day you decide to just eat 700 calories. And that's what financially a lot of people do, and even what like fitness-wise people do. So they rather not, you know, it's like you could save a dollar a day for 10 years mm -hmm. straight, or some people would skip two months, and then the next three months they want to pay the two months back. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, this last month I didn't take away ten dollars. I saved ten dollars. I didn't take. So now what I'm going to do is take away thirty dollars and save. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like kills the whole point of it mm -hmm. because what you're trying to build is discipline. Like every single month you want to make sure you're you're putting ten dollars aside, ten dollars aside, and that's not just saving you money, but it's also building your mental strength. That even no matter what, you get used to it. Even yeah. when you're successful, you're at that stage where you're like, it's okay, your mindset tells you we should stick it down on the other side. Yeah. And, and that's like the point of everything. So, Well, are you going to study for the test or are you going to cram for the test? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like people will study overnight, like study from the beginning of the semester to mm -hmm. the end, to the last day, and then those who just study the night before and try to put in everything in their head and go write the exam and then mm -hmm. get there and can't even remember what they read. Yeah. 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 So I try to apply those principles to a lot of things in life because I, I've seen how inches can turn into miles, wow. you know, yeah. I was telling you not too long ago about, you know, different guys that want to get their bench press to a certain amount of weight, but they're grinding through the, the reps and the certain weight and they're stuck. They can't get through the plateau. And usually we find that they're slapping on way too much weight. Wait. They're going way too heavy. Yeah. They're, they're not... They're not doing things intelligently. And I was talking to you about, imagine if you just added one pound to the bar yeah. each time you showed up. And let's say you bench twice a week. Yeah. If you throw one extra pound on the bar, you know, you have 200 pounds and it goes to 201 pounds. You think you're really going to notice that extra pound? No, yeah. no. But if you add one pound twice a week, you don't really notice it. But after a whole year, 52 weeks in a year, it's 100 pounds of progress if you're consistent with it. If you can keep your body not noticing it. Wouldn't you kill to have an extra 100 pounds on your bench after a year? I, I know most people would. I will. I will. It's just about taking a big goal and breaking it down into small manageable chunks. Wow. Inches turn into miles, Lucky. <laughs> you know? For real. For real. Because that's what a lot of people can break. They, uh, they were, oh, I want to bench and then... So, for example, they did 300 pounds, and then they want to go higher. The next thing you see them put is a 10-pound or 25-pounds. Mm -hmm. They don't want to put 5-pounds. They don't want to put even the smallest pound. And that's what you're saying. Like, you might not be able to do that at once, but if you break it down to 5-5-5 mm -hmm. five, 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 or 1-1-1, one, 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 mm -hmm. it might take you longer, and which is also building your strength, mm -hmm. but you will get that result. So you're not just getting that result. You're building strength. Mental strength and physical strength, unlike when you just put in that and just 
fill with it or you know can't even do it that discourages yeah. you well i think it takes a lot of mental strength to also just stick to the plan and to not say oh i am gonna try sure. to get myself up to benching this amount of weight very quickly you know because it's alluring and a lot of what our culture is about is instant gratification yeah everything right now is you can have it tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. i can order something on amazon right now and it's dropped off at my door tomorrow True. i can talk to anyone in the world instantly I, you know everything in our lives are right here right now and i don't necessarily actually mean add just one pound to the bar every single time but it's, it's a principle to kind of describe how you want to do things intelligently and break things down into manageable chunks and work hard and see how little bits of progress turn into huge, huge things, things yeah. if you do it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And same with goals too. You want to set those big goals yeah. and then break it down to little pieces, daily goals, hourly goals, mm -hmm. and, and, and weekly goals and you know put that big one on the side and then move towards it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's still not easy. Yeah. It's simple. It's simple like you say. <laughs> it's simple, not easy. Yeah. It's simple. So there's a difference. Yeah, there is a huge difference. So you talked about being a badass in this six lifts. How do you become a badass in those six lifts? Become a badass in those six lifts. You remember when you said it, right? That yeah, you, yeah. you said that I wanted to become a badass. Yeah. Well, a lot of what I was talking about was for people trying to achieve a certain look or a certain level of strength. Like, let's break things down into how everything works logically. Yeah. Squatting. We're meant to squat. Mm -hmm. I would argue that's an innate human function, motor pattern yeah. that people probably start to lose if they're sitting a lot throughout the day. They let themselves get weak mm -hmm. in the right areas, you know, hamstrings, glutes, midsection gets weak. Then picking something up off the ground, a deadlift. Yeah. Then doing horizontal pushes, doing horizontal pulls, yeah. doing vertical pushes and vertical pulls. To me, I was like, if I can become a badass in those different categories and get myself up to a high level of proficiency, meaning if I can squat five, 550, 600 pounds, if I can bench three, 350, 400 pounds, if I can deadlift six, 650, 700 pounds, how could I not look the way that I want to look? As long as my nutrition isn't completely terrible, terrible yeah. you know, so I was using those things and making the side effect be result. the aesthetics, yeah, the result, right? Yeah, the, aesthetics. the way that I looked, yeah. how did I do it? Just progression over time. It's yeah. really just what we were talking about before with taking large goals being like, okay, I can squat 150 pounds now. How am I going to get to 600 pounds? Well, at first it's kind of simple because it's just add a certain amount of weight to the bar over time, linearly. And then you have to start to innovate your way out of problems. You have to say, okay, well, I'm stuck at this weight. Why am I stuck at this weight? Maybe it's my hamstrings that need to be improved in terms of strength, my glutes. Maybe it's a form issue. Maybe I need to become technically more proficient at that certain lift. You know, so it's just finding what the problem is when you get to it yeah. and innovating your way out of that problem. That's true. It's trying to, and, but that's a puzzle. You know, I'm not claiming that's easy either yeah. because you, you get to that roadblock where you might think you know, but then you start to work on those things and you realize, oh, like I actually have to take a couple steps backwards to take a few forward. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's simple. 
but then you run into roadblocks where you have to kind of figure out the puzzle to get yourself to the next piece of strength. Sure. Oh, that's cool. So I have um, two more questions that I want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. So you moved to BSC and then they transferred you to uh, the BSC that wasn't doing good. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to bring it up from where the level it was to a higher level. Yeah, I really started to work on the culture there. Okay, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Like, how did you build up something at that level to, with your age and everything? Like, you know, it's not like you've had leadership experiences or something like that. Or you studied that in school, you know, but mm -hmm. how did you on your own, you know? I realized that where that club was at was a situation where they just needed a positive presence. They needed somebody that was willing to bust their ass every single day. Yeah. Somebody that was willing to affect the culture of the gym in a positive way where there was less leadership and less presence there. So honestly, I just went in and started making friends with everyone. I wanted people to get to know me. Yeah. I wanted them to see that I was the fitness presence there that cared about everyone's result, was super friendly and positive. You could always come up and talk to me. I tried to be a really likable person and then as people got to know me I started to build more of a training staff there hired a couple of trainers the trainers that were there I was working with them to get better at their craft yeah. hone their craft yeah. upskill them yeah. you know get them better at the training piece if that's what they needed get them better at the personal piece if that's what they needed improve social skills teach different exercises explain how to get better at sales you know, and slowly just things came together to the point where I made enough of an impact that I was affecting not only the club, but trainers as individual lives and paychecks. Yeah. And it was just a good feeling. That's true. You know? Wow. That's good to know. Because you have the same presence at BSC too. I mean, this current one. Yeah, the downtown cross. Yeah, the downtown yeah. cross one. You, um... I try to lead by example. I don't like to point fingers and, and tell people to do things like I want to be out there in the trenches with those the trainers yeah. cleaning up the gym myself yeah we're showing them like I'm also alongside of you training people I'm selling alongside of you I, I'm putting myself through the paces and I'm teaching you just what I know made me successful yeah. I, I'm not somebody that's removed from the situation I know what you're going through I can relate to that. I know what it feels like. I've been there. Let me show you, because I had that problem in my own training sure. career. Yeah. Let me show you how I got over that problem. That's, that's beautiful, man. Thanks. Not everyone wants to do that. Some people want you to learn on your own, mm -hmm. because they feel like they, they did it on their own. Mm -hmm. So they want you to go through the same mistakes and everything, and you mm -hmm. know, and like there's a saying that says, everyone makes a mistake, but, not, but we shouldn't make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I think there's something really valuable in learning on your own and going through that experience yourself yeah but i'll tell you what if i could pick up a book and read about somebody's tribulations in life yeah the lesson that they learned i would much rather read and learn that lesson than have to go through all the all pain the and pain. misery yeah. to learn it myself yeah you know i i think there's something valuable in both situations for Jealous, sure yeah but it's a whole lot easier to learn it from somebody else and to go through it yourself. Yeah, because not everyone is mentally strong to go through it, mm -hmm. but they might be physically strong, uh, knowledgeable to read through it. And, and you know, because things that you go through and you made it through, not everyone will go through it and make it. Mm -hmm. Some people might just go and fall and never stand up, you know. But, mm -hmm. So, yeah. But besides that, too, like, 
I think that's really valuable to go through, but it's just a lot more efficient to learn it from somebody else. Simple, yeah. Efficiency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I was just saying that um, Tony Robbins, one of my uh, people I look up to say, like, success leave clues. It's like, if you follow the part of the success, you'll be like, there will be a clue. Like, even if it, even if your lives are different, okay, there is one thing you can pick away from it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always look out for. I, I just want to pick one thing away from every, you know, people, any person I come across with, you know, I'm not trying to take everything away from you, but just one thing that can better my life. And, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I like your leadership skill. Thanks. Like someone could come in there and know that it feels like there is no leader. You get right now. I'm not trying to take that away from you because, mm -hmm. I, like, what I'm trying to say is, you don't like say it, but everyone knows their job. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows where they're supposed to be mm -hmm. because you you're like because it it feels like there's no presence. That doesn't mean people just go around doing whatever they want. You know, you don't criticize. You encourage. Like I've seen you like in situations where I use myself an ex as an example. I've lost some some clients that I I felt like. You knew that could have been a client. You 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 you, you, you get right, and you don't. When when you approach me about it, you sound so calm, collected, and so okay. This is what we have to do, and 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 I'm like, oh wow, that's what he did. Like it's just mind blowing because most leaders that I've I've been with or I've worked with would do the opposite, you know. So what leadership skills or strategies do you use? Like you know, what's on your mind when you lead people? Like you know, what are you? Well, first of all, talk to me a little bit about what you mean by the opposite. You said. In terms of my leadership style, yeah. you've seen other people do opposite things. What do you mean? Like criticize you for that? Mm. You've never criticized me? No. Nah, I've never even seen you say criticize like, oh, that's a shitty job you did, or even jokingly. You get it, right? Like you like sometimes jokingly people just say stuff that they want to say. You get it, right? But I've never even heard you say, oh, that was a shitty job, or that was a bad job, or you could have done better, or you know anything. You kind of like ac accept it. Okay, let's move on. Okay, let's. What's next? Mm -hmm. You always treat them like bosses, you know. One goes, one comes, something like that. Yeah, that's how you. That's how you do it. Or well, like, if you're lifting, if you're trying to squat five hundred pounds, yeah, you unrack it, you step back with it, you go down, and ultimately you don't come up with it. I don't say lucky. That was a shitty job. <laughs> you suck, man. Yeah. I say, okay, like, why do you feel like you weren't able to achieve that today? Yeah. Talk to me about that why do you feel like you haven't set up the last 12 weeks of your life to enable you to hit that certain weight that you've been planning the whole time? Mm. I think it's about ownership, Yeah. right? Like I have to take ownership for your successes and for your failures. You have to take ownership for your successes and your failures. That's one thing that I learned a lot Actually, from a guy named Jocko Willing. I was going to say that. You sound like... I was going to say, uh, do you know Jocko Willing? Because I read that book. and Extreme Ownership. E Extreme is a great Ownership. Book. Great book. It's one of my best books I read this year. Mm -hmm. And I was going to even tell you about the book. But, like, you literally were exhibiting all those acts. And, and, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so I want to empower the people that I'm leading yeah. to take ownership of both their failures and successes. But ultimately it does fall back on me too. You know, like if a, a trainer isn't doing well, I can't point the finger at them. I have to point the finger back at myself and help them figure out how to get to the next level. But that's a tough thing to do, you know? Yeah, it is. That's a tough thing to do. Like, so, like, 
you need humility you need that like not everyone can say okay it's my fault regardless of what goes on it's my fault i should have told you more i i i should have like I, I read it to the point where joko was like every single thing you are accountable like there's something you could have done to make it better mm-hmm. and unless you take that you know and say yes every situation like even if you weren't there they, you could have left them like it, it, it's so it's not like i'm saying like it, it takes a lot of humility to accept fault even when it's like there's no trace that it's your fault mm-hmm. yeah you notice too like in selling situations in getting a client i'm looking at you and if you got the client i'm saying why do you think you got that client what did you do what, well mm-hmm. and what do you think you could have done better yeah, that, yeah in the face of success in the face of success yeah what did you do really well and what could you have done better yeah. in the face of failure you didn't get the client what did you still do well what worked out for you what things would you want to take to the next experience or interaction and what things didn't you do well enough how can you get better how can you have a problem in front of you how i used this before how can you innovate your way out of that problem and ultimately come back to achieve what you wanted to achieve uh, I think a lot of my leadership style isn't telling people what to do. It's making them find the answer in themselves. Oh, wow. Because I remember the day that I got my um, I got my first client. And before that, I've been losing clients. And you asked me the same question. What did you do well? And what did you do? I was like, he's asking me the same question he asked me when I... We're supposed to celebrate it and, and you know, like... Great job, great job, great mm-hmm. job. Yeah, we celebrated, but the next thing you came back to, what did you do? Okay, so what worked for you and, mm-hmm. and what didn't work for you? I was like, okay, so. Mm-hmm. And now that kind of like gave me that, uh, like that mindset that like you can always improve. Mm-hmm. You can always improve. Even when you fail, you can improve. And even when you succeed, you can still improve. You just have yeah. to be on the look for that. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. also about identifying the things that are working well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if you are achieving some level of success well, you better be able to answer why you are yeah right we talk about that word so much the word why, why is so important it is if you don't know why you don't have the foundation to anything that's true that's true yeah quick question so do you work on weaknesses or you work on strengths both both mm-hmm. why is that because that's our whole conversation right now that's what we're saying is you better be able to improve your weaknesses, but why wouldn't you also want to make your strengths better? I suppose if you're trying to prioritize and you say, hey, I only need to work on one or the other, Mm -hmm. I would probably go more towards my weaknesses and bring them up. But I think there's something to be said for working on your strengths too. Mm. Yeah. I I bring everything back to like lifting. Like I happen to be a pretty good squatter, pretty good bencher. I suck at deadlifting in my opinion. Well, I could be like, I'm going to focus on the deadlift and bring up areas where I have opportunity. But in addition, I want to make my squat and my bench a lot better better because that's where I have natural talent. Yeah. You know? So I'm going to try to bring those things up a lot too. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Because I've had a lot of um, people say um, about weakness that, you know, your weakness is your weakness. I mean, you want to try to improve it, but you shouldn't spend all your time working on your weakness you should start focus on your strength mm-hmm. and then kind of like give your weakness a sound so like in a field where you you're weaker you could get someone in to do it for you and why you handle the good the things you're good at because uh, sometimes you have just little to 
not enough to share between those two people. So you focus on this and then let someone else focus on your weakness. So that's kind of like how I I work in is that my weakness is I always look for someone that can handle it and then while I, I go all in on my strength. Mm-hmm. Well, from a leadership perspective, I think what we're kind of talking about there is a team. Yeah. A good team is full of a bunch of different people that have strengths in different areas. Yeah. Right. So if somebody comes to me with some sort of goal or injury, some sort of thing that is more of a niche topic, yeah, I'm going to put that person with the person on my team that has the best strength. Yeah. Right. And then I'll work with the rest of the team on bringing up those weak areas to develop that as a strength itself. Actually, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard you make calls like that, and you're like, "Oh, I know someone that is good enough for this goal that you have." Mm-hmm. I know, and then you put them for that person. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, man, this was great. Um, trust me, I I wish we could still maybe we could still have you on this podcast and yeah. talk some more because I, I, I feel like we we spoke, but we 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 didn't go deep and scratching the surface. Yeah, we're just still on the surface, you know. It's a lot of deep stuff. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> deep stuff that I I want to hear. All right, and and I I also want. My listeners to hear too. I would love to, yeah. Because you know, knowledge is power, and the more knowledge you put out there, you know, people get accessible to them. You know, the more it helps them to grow too. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, well, um, George, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, appreciate for today's it, episode. And if there's any word you have for my listeners out there, what would you say to them? Be consistent. <laughs> put in your time. Put one foot in front of the other. Wow. And inches turn into miles eventually. Wow, I love that. You see, he loves time and consistency. Guy, or if, if there's anything I took out of this, same thing: time and consistency. Mm-hmm. Just put in the time, be consistent, and, and at the end, everything will pay off. Yeah, you don't need to make huge amounts of progress right. in short amounts of time. That's why I keep saying inches turn into miles. <laughs> you don't need to make. This is what you said. I love this one. You don't need to make huge amounts of progress in a short period of time. But instead, little progress in a long period of time mm-hmm. which is more doable and yeah yeah look yeah. up the formula for compound interest i'll look it up <laughs> <laughs> okay guys thank you so much for listening to this episode it was a great time with josh and i will see y'all later okay thanks Peace. lucky yep